Welcome to the Glenn McIntosh Show. I'm Glenn McIntosh, author, YouTuber, developer of transformational online programs you can do all over the world, and psychologist who is super passionate about eating, physical activity, weight, and body image. Please join me for inspiring conversations with world leaders as they share innovative ideas based on the latest scientific evidence and their rich personal experiences. We dive deep, exploring all of the subtleties so you understand exactly how to make peace with food, find joy in moving your body, embrace a positive body image, and generally just kill it at life. You'll also hear some podcastable parts of my Q&A video series, Thursday Therapy, and a bunch of other cool stuff I know you'll love. Whether you're tuning in for yourself or you're a health professional looking to better support those you serve, welcome to the Glenn McIntosh Show. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Piece ebook, a free ebook written by yours truly. I wrote The Missing Piece as mindset is often the missing part of the puzzle when it comes to your eating, physical activity, and body image. It's a great intro to the power of psychology, and I give you my seven favorite hacks to quickly transform your relationship with food, physical movement, and the body you live in. You can download it at the longest website in the world, www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au and just wait for the lovely pop-up to come up or you can get it directly at www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au forward slash the dash missing dash piece dash ebook. It's a really easy read. People absolutely love it, and I know you will too. So make sure you head to the website and download your free ebook today. Today's podcast features the one and only Louise Green. I love this podcast. It was the first one I've ever done, and I found myself in the middle of the conversation thinking, I really love doing this, and I know you're going to get so much out of it. I did get a little excited, uh, so you might have to bear with me talking a touch too much and bringing the conversation to strange areas like poodles and all sorts of stuff, but that's why I started the podcast, to bring these real and amazing conversations that I'm having with people straight to you so you can hear them, and I'm sure you're going to feel like you're just there with us. Louise is such an inspirational and intelligent woman. The way that she thinks about fitness and diversity in fitness messages is really thought-provoking. And she's a great example of someone who's really on the same page as we are, but extends beyond our work into a niche that she does just so well. Uh, There's a great quote in there about trainers being like people who clean your gutters and at one stage we get really deep as she shares her experiences and a wonderful tip on how to avoid the temptation to focus too much on weight loss. Uh, It's a really great interview, so here it is. So, ladies and gentlemen, for the first ever interviewee, we have a really special guest. We got Louise Green, who is a fitness activist, a global coach, which we're going to talk about, and the author of this fantastic book called Big Fit Girl. 
I love this book. My clients absolutely love this book. And you can get it in bookstores all the world around. Uh, For the past decade, Louise has been disrupting the fitness industry. She's leading this uh, counterculture movement to for women to unleash their inner athlete at every size. So we're going to talk a lot about that. And uh, through her work, she's been honored as one of the top trainers to follow by Self Magazine and five Canadian women boldly changing the world by women of influence. Louise is on a mission to change the fitness industry and to widen the gap on what it means to be healthy and fit. And she encourages women to define themselves through endorphins, not weigh-ins, which I absolutely love. And her message is amplified through her online coaching programs, which we're going to talk about, uh, her speaking engagements, and through the media. So Louise has appeared on the Steve Harvey Show, which would have been really cool, I imagine, uh, UK's BBC and ITV, and Australia's Morning Show. So that's where I saw Louise and I kind of instantly fell in love with her and I know that you will too. So without any further ado, let's get to talking to Louise and maybe also her dog who wouldn't leave the room. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show, Louise. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Now, weird question to start you off. I think it's so important that people see us health professionals as people, not just these kind of perfect beings. So can you tell me a little bit about your dog? I think it's just good to see you as a real person. What sort of dog do you have? What sort of dog might we be hearing from later on? (laughs) I have an English bulldog. His name is Henry, and he is the most stubborn animal I've ever met. Ah, good man. So I was trying to get him downstairs so he wouldn't interrupt our conversation, but (laughs) when he decides he doesn't want to do something, he's not doing it. I like him. (laughs) Uh, Very good. Hey, and you know, that reminds me, Louise, I don't know if you've seen uh, that, um, that poodle science video. I don't think so. Okay. And everyone listening, if you just get on YouTube and look at Poodle Science, it'll come up. It comes from the Australia, uh, the, the Association for Size, Diversity and Health. It's a little YouTube video. And this has just reminded me, this is so much what we're talking about. Um, what, what they talk about in the video is that people are not all these skinny little pretty poodles that some of us are terriers and some of us are mastiffs and it's not about trying to make a mastiff into a little poodle it's about making a mastiff the most healthy mastiff that it can be and so we're all different shapes and sizes and about kind of embracing uh, health and well-being and success at all shapes and sizes now I know that that Louise is a language that you speak and you've had a, a really kind of interesting approach to seeing your health and fitness in a new way. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I think that I have, basically I started out in my own fitness journey in a larger body and, you know, through my own personal experiences kind of built a business on it. And so I started to kind of put out there what I was feeling. I was feeling a little bit sidelined. I was feeling that 
the fitness industry wasn't that approachable for me. Mm -hmm. And when I actually built up the courage to engage in it, I felt that a lot of trainers didn't understand how to work with my body. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of created a business that was built on that experience. And surely I couldn't have been the only one. And it turns out I wasn't. Mm -hmm. It, it, I think that probably you would be in the majority because it sort of seems to me like um, I do a, a fair bit of work here in Australia training uh, fitness professionals and um, it sort of seems like most of their training is geared towards people who are probably younger, people who are in smaller bodies and, mm-hmm. and they're sort of, they, they, they're not really in most circumstances really taught well how to deal with the bulk of people uh, in the world that don't have those sort of bodies. Exactly. I was having that exact conversation with the women that I coach uh, about an hour ago um, and basically trying to let them know that it's not necessarily that trainers don't want to rise to the occasion of their clients. It's that they're simply not taught how. And I think that's an absolutely great point, Louise, is because I've had the, the exact same experience. I think that sometimes, and maybe sometimes for good reason, trainers get a bit of a bad rap because they, they're they maybe not so great at, at working with people who are in larger and heavier bodies and maybe not so great at working with people who are, are not so comfortable in the, the fitness arena. But my experience of them is that they they get into the job because they are super keen to learn Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they, they just want to help people. And so I think that's why it's so good to have people like you out there who can show them a different way to, um, to do what they really want to do is help people. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was, I, I'm very pleased to hear that you're involved in the education process of trainers because it's something that's very lacking here in North America because mm-hmm. we're, we have one paradigm that's being taught. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have other um, voices within that paradigm kind of speaking a different language. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, now is too, Louise, we, we probably have, you know, a lot of our audience are just the general public who are interested in um, health, fitness, eating, weight, body image. But we also have a lot of um, a lot of fitness trainers and a lot of dietitians and psychologists that follow our work. So a lot of health professionals. What would you say, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to, to, to fitness professionals who are looking to move into this space and become a bit more weight and size inclusive that are probably not trained that way, what would you say to them? Well, I think the first piece of advice that I would give is that not everybody is there. It's not their main objective to get bikini body ready. Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, most people are kind of beyond that. They are more looking for things like better mobility, better energy levels, uh, reducing medications, you know, just living life with more ease. And so, um, you know, it's not about let's, let's burn off as many calories as we possibly can to Mm -hmm. get you into a size, whatever dress. I know our sizing system's different, so I won't quote sizes, but, um, you know, it's not everyone's goal to, to do that. And so I, I tend to focus more on, um, yes, if, if you were lighter, you would probably have better mobility. So let's focus on your mobility. 
not getting you on a scale every week and focusing on weight loss. So it's kind of a bit of a flip turn on the objective. Uh And then also, um, you know, to really try to put yourself in in the person's circumstances and position Mm. and have some compassion for that. So, Mm. um, you know, really try to think about what it might be like to move around in a 300 pound body. Yeah. Um, and, and what it might be like to do squats and, and lunges, Mm -hmm. you know, often that are being prescribed by trainers Mm -hmm. when they're just highly inappropriate for the person's body type. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting one. I, uh, we have a, uh, we call it Monday movement here in Brisbane. Uh, our size diverse personal trainers run like a weight inclusive exercise group and it's been running for a little while now and they, they finally let me come but they made me wear a um, a twenty kilo weights vest, and mm-hmm. the experience of it was completely different. It wasn't, you know, the, the guys asked me afterwards and said, "Glenn, what was that like for you? Was it harder on your muscles? Was it, you know, were you more fatigued?" And I said, "Yes, yes." But it really sort of it turned exercises that might have been a workout not only into something that was a bit harder, but it was kind of it felt almost a bit dangerous at times. Like I had to watch my joints and my hips and it was a really yeah. good for me to, to sort of have that experience and go, wow, this is it. It really fundamentally changes things, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and not only that, but cardiovascularly it does. I mean, when you're, when you're doing squats with, with that much extra weight on your body, like it, it jacks up your heart rate. So you're not only fatiguing the muscles and the joints, but you're also, your heart rate is up quite a bit and it just makes the overall experience so much more difficult. Mm, mm, yeah. And it's, it's a really good point. And I think Louise, you know, that's a really good take home for any fitness professionals is to actually really kind of walk yourself through your whole practice. You know, the way that you greet clients, the way that your, your gym or your exercise environment is set up, uh, the exercises you do, the way you talk to them, everything. I remember, um, Louise, I was lucky enough to, um, to host a workshop a few years ago for Linda Bacon yeah. And, and she asked all of us, there was about probably oh, 20 psychologists in the room. And she said, look, guys, I want you to go through an audit of your environment and see how kind of fat friendly your environment is. And I got to admit, Louise, I was um, highlighting my absolute ignorance because I kind of thought, oh, I, I do this full time, this eating weight, body image stuff. These are my, my clients, are yo-yo dieters who are always in larger bodies. I thought I've got this down. And, and she said, no, I want you to go and look. And, and there were some pretty significant adjustments that we made to our office after that. I had to go and look and think, well, you know what? My chair is actually, it fits the people, but it's actually not that comfortable if you get someone who in, in our language weighs over 200 kilos. I'm not sure what that mm-hmm. is in, in pounds. And so we went and got a new chair and I've got an upstairs office. There's only a few steps up to it, but those few steps actually made it really uncomfortable for people to, to get up who were, you know, had knee injuries or weren't very fit. And it made the, the start of our conversations a bit like a, like, you know, how, how people interview athletes after the, um, after they've run like a, a 200 meter race. And it was a bit uncomfortable. I thought, wow, this is sort of stuff that I've been doing and practicing in this space for maybe five or six years and really hadn't realized the person's experience. I think that's a great thing for, for people to kind of walk themselves through the way they work with people. Um, and, and really, Absolutely. yeah. And, and you, you, you said something also, Louise, that was, I think, really, really interesting that because I think that we sort of live in a, a culture that 
we're told that we want weight loss and it seems like having that like that bikini body that you say is the like that's the key to health and fitness and success but it seems like what you're saying is that rather than try and target like something like mobility or target fitness through the vehicle of weight loss you work with people to kind of tackle that directly if you want to get more mobile let's work on getting you more mobile if you want to get fitter let's work on improving your fitness not see that as having to happen through weight loss well i see the weight loss as a byproduct so you know it is it's it's a added benefit that often happens when somebody starts to introduce regular physical activity and healthier eating into their lives. Mm-hmm. But it's not the focus because I work I work solely with women yep. and um, there are so many women, the majority that tether their value to their weight. Absolutely, absolutely. So can I ask you a, a question uh, coming from someone who, you know, probably 90% of the people I work with are women. How do you help people actually de-emphasize the scales and actually take the focus off the weight and view it as a byproduct of being a healthier, fitter person? Because I think that I see in my practice a lot of people who will kind of almost give lip service to that idea because they know the way that I work. They say, oh yeah, Glenn, no, I know that it's not about the weight. That'll just happen. But then they get really upset if they're not losing weight or um, they, they kind of feel like it's it's not working if the weight doesn't come off as fast as they want. How do you actually help people kind of live that 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 ideal that they are much more than the number on the scales and that 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 their size and shape doesn't define them i realize that's well, a big question <laughs> it is a big question <laughs> in, in my um i actually am no longer working with people in person but when i was we just never weighed people for one okay. um and now with the women that i coach online there's no weighing component to the program. Yep. Um, and the other thing I want to, I always want to know from somebody is what is your definition of working? Because a lot of people will say, especially when they're using the scale as a measurement of success, this isn't working because we know that it is difficult to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so often if that is the measurement, then each week, you know, it'll, it'll be very small, uh, increments of weight loss um, if, if it's being done healthfully. And so I want to know what does working mean to you before we even start? So what would what would success mean to you? So, you know, get an idea of the list of things that um, would equal success for them and, and to try to steer them in a way of um, how do you want to feel? So so really not about what do you want to weigh? But how do you want to feel in your life mm-hmm. and, and kind of look at those those measurements of success? And then as we move along, they will start to feel that way because we know that exercise and, and eating healthfully makes people feel good. So normally they'll say, I want to feel more comfortable in the body that I have or I want to have more energy or I want to sleep better at night. I, you know, I, I have sleep apnea. I don't want to use the machine anymore. Th- those types of things. Mm-hmm. We tend to hit those markers because we're not tethering it to a scale. Um, but at the same time, there is often a byproduct of weight loss, and sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there is no no measurement of weight loss, but yet they're reducing medications or they just have an all-around better life. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of something that you don't uh, don't almost promise the weight loss. If they get it as a, a byproduct, then fantastic. But it doesn't become the the focus. You're kind of really setting holistic goals. Yeah, much more so. I mean, you and I both know that for consistent um, weight loss, there has to be quite a focus on nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so that will depend on the individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, it's an interesting thing. And I feel like when you were talking about um, say, you know, helping someone get off their, their um, sleep apnea machine or um, become fitter or feel better in themselves. I almost feel like those goals are, are a lot more achievable for people. I think that's easier than, than weight loss. And, and I think that's a good thing. Well, I remember, you know, dieting for many, many years and the people would whip out a chart that I was supposed to fall within in a body mass index. And mm -hmm. What they were telling me I should weigh was probably what I weighed when I was 13 years old. And I just remember thinking, God, that's overwhelming. That's a large amount of weight that I have to lose in yeah. order to be defined as successful. Mm -hmm. And so especially when you've got people that are 200 kilos, like saying to them, you know, optimally, you need to lose, uh, you know, 200 pounds or 150 pounds it's just an enormous amount of, um, it you just know, seems so hard, doesn't it? When you say it that, it seems so hard. And the other thing, healthful weight loss, it, you know, it's not as sexy as it's sold. It's sold as drop three dress sizes in 30 days. And so when you actually tell people in order to lose that 150 pounds in a healthful way, it actually should probably take you a year to two years. That's mm -hmm. not very sexy. That's, that's, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because that, that brings me to another question that, that, um, that I've got for you is that, that, you know, often I think what I say to people is that what I'm going to, to sell to you in sessions is not sexy slow change where you're actually creating new habits that's not sexy the results you'll get in a year from now 18 months from now two years from now that's going to be really really sexy so how and I think you do a great job at this I've seen a bit of your marketing how do you make these you know the people feeling better and empowering themselves to unleash their inner athlete how how do you make that sexy in a world where it's it's sort of like we you know people like like you and I, we don't have the biggest marketing tool uh, for, that there is fast, easy weight loss. You know, we, ca we catch up with our marketing consultants and they almost, they love us for a lot of reasons. We're pretty good clients, I hope, but, but then they kind of bang their heads against the wall and just say, why don't you just like mention weight loss or why don't you just mention fast weight? They're like, you're losing so many people. How do you, you know, cause I think that's a really, a tough thing to, to help engage people in a world where you don't have that that big, powerful marketing tool? I think that there's definitely an audience of women that have been stuck in diet culture for years upon years upon years and spent thousands of, of dollars mm. that are ready for another paradigm. Yeah. And so what I'm saying to them is it, it's not it's not sexy, but it I make it sexy in that it is finding your, you know, power and freedom to take back fitness and own it and do it in a different way yeah. and uh, really unleash the power within. Mm. Um, and then all kinds of benefits come from that. 
You know, I will say, and I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but the women that I coach from Australia really struggle with it. Mm, it the, really? The women from yeah. Australia? What do you think it is about the, 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 the girls from Australia that you notice? Um, they, they tell me that they are bombarded with diet culture regularly, oh. whether it be in the office lunchroom, there's food policing, there's everyone's restricting. I don't know exactly what the climate is there for, for diet culture, but from the women that I'm coaching, it sounds like it's quite strong and that the body positive movement, as far as, um, being a little bit more self-acceptance, mm -hmm. accepting and loosening the reins on that are not as um, liberal, so to speak, as maybe in North America. Yeah, I think, well, you know, without having any anything to necessarily compare it, it to, um, most of our uh, the clients that we see are, are in Australia, here in Brisbane, but also some, some online clients, but most of them are, um, uh, are in Australia at least. And I think we do diet culture brilliantly we are just, it's just it, it is amazing and it is it's actually um it's one of the the biggest challenges that i have and i i feel like in my sessions i'm constantly helping people remind themselves and relearn this idea of body positivity and it's interesting i asked um asked our um, facebook group um, for anyone who's interested in joining our Facebook group, it's the longest name Facebook group in the world. It's the Psychology of Eating, Movement, Weight and Body Image Facebook group. We'll provide the, wow. the details in the show notes. The, the group actually renamed it. We chose because it used to be the Weight Management Psychology group. Um, and then we decided for a few reasons that that wasn't the name that we wanted to have. And so we asked the group to, to rename it, gave them a bunch of options, and they felt like that was the the best one because some people are really interested in eating. They don't care less about their weight. We have some bariatric surgery clients in there who are, um, who are, uh, you know, that's a, you know, typically a weight loss surgery. Then we have, um, people who are just in it for mostly interested in the psychology of exercise. And so we have all sorts of people, but anyway, that's the, the group. Um, but that was actually, I, I told them that I was going to meet with you. They were super duper excited, but, but they had some questions for you. And I think the, the main theme of the questions, there was a lot of different questions, but uh, a few of the, the guys, Liz and Lanier and Fiona particularly, they, they, they really asked that question. They said, look, can you ask Louise, how do we do this? And funnily enough, I think all three of them are from Australia. Um, they said, how do you develop this, this body positivity in a culture that is so weight biased? Like some of the things I said is... Um, um, how do you, you know, ask if, do, if you experience shaming due to your body and how do you deflect that and, and support your own psyche to believe in yourself? Um, Lanier said, how do you maintain a positive body image or confidence when those around you don't, i.e. hearing others body shame, hearing people who are smaller than you talk about being quote unquote fat. Um, Fiona said, how do you talk to yourself when, when you're around those people that have been your greatest triggers for fear and self-loathing. So I think it is, uh, it is a, a, a really massive barrier here in, in Australia, that, that very pervasive diet culture. So what, what advice do you have for these guys, Louise? So within my coaching programs, I kind of ask people to start to change their sphere. And mm. so, um, you know, change 
change the messaging that they're getting and that and that can be hard and this is where the ladies that I coach from Australia really struggle they say I'm fine when I'm in the group I'm fine when I'm out doing the things that I do but when I'm around friends and family and co-workers it's it's relentless so um I I you know I really think that if you can have positive influences in your life that are talking a different talk mm -hmm. and it will be hard especially if you are in that environment mm -hmm. um and and you're living in a culture that's especially so but to go to social media and to seek out, there are many uh, social influencers that are super body positive, mm -hmm. uh, you know, athletic. Um, maybe they're not athletic, but they're they're fashion based. That are really yeah. just owning the their body that they're in. They're, you know, they're trying to live their best life in the in the body that they have being the healthiest that they can be yeah. um, and really filling your inbox with that and yep. people like yourself, like they, you know, that, you know, health professionals are probably the biggest culprit as far as, you know, weight bias mm -hmm. uh, information. So, um, you know, finding the health professionals that aren't such as yourself and yep. your team and, and really starting to surround a sphere of people, whether it be online and offline that are, that are speaking a new paradigm. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. I think that it's, it is, you know, it, it's so hard to be the, the fish swimming in the opposite direction and so you need to be sort of finding a new current of fish that are swimming in 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 a similar direction to you before you can really develop that that really uh deep felt subconscious sense of of acceptance of yourself so uh, let's go quickly uh, i think on that note how do people find you on instagram because i just looked at just your name louise green is that the best yeah, way you can yeah, Louise Green. The actual handle is Louise Green underscore Big Fit Girl. And you can follow me too, guys. It's Glenn McIntosh with a double N. Dad was generous. McIntosh <laughs> is spelt the weirdest way to spell McIntosh. There's three ways and ours is the, the least common. It's M-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-S-H. Um, who else do you like in the um, the, the Instagram uh, world, Louise, that... Um, that that a good body positive follows. I like uh, a dietitian down here, Fiona Sutherland, uh, the mindful dietitian. I also really like Isabel Fox and Duke. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, is there any other ones that you could could recommend that that people? Because I, I love that idea of widening the the, the sphere or, or moving into a different sphere. Anyone else that you really love that we should follow? Uh, one of my favorites is Myrna Valerio, Ooh. and she is. Um, She's uh, on Instagram as the Myrna Vader, okay. and she is a plus size ultra marathoner. Wow, she's incredible. Um, you know, I'm I'm very much uh, really love the work of Taryn Brumfit, who's in Australia, yeah. who's done the documentary Embrace. Love Taryn. Um, Jessamine Stanley is another yogi that uh -huh. is uh, very body positive. I mean. I, I'm certainly happy to send you a bunch of influencers for people to kind of widen their sphere if they're looking for more body positivity in their life. I um, think that's awesome. And guys yeah. who are listening, we'll put um, put all of those in our show notes because I think that's really cool. There's been a couple that I haven't heard of there. Myrna Valerio, she sounds 
amazing. So yeah, I think that's really good advice is, you know, there are these almost these little subcultures, these little pockets of people who are thinking a whole new way about those things and you really need to, to connect with them. So I, I love that advice. Now that actually brings me to another question, Louise. What about, because I think that, you know, sometimes I find, say, for example, in my practice and anyone uh, out there, you, you know, who, are, who is in this sort of non-diet, body positive kind of space, um, we have our own little pockets of doctors and dietitians and trainers and everything that, that speak our language. But often I will get people who, um, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing a trainer who's not one of our trainers or they're seeing a dietitian who's who's not one of, you know, one of the ones that we know. And, and let's stick with trainers because that's mainly your area. What would you say to the zillions of people out there who are, uh, you know, working with a trainer currently and finding these things? Um, you know, I, I get this all the time with my clients. I find that, the, you know, the, the trainer might be kind of sort of a little bit into these ideas and a little bit accepting, but really still coming from that, weight bias kind of perspective how like how can people talk to their trainers about what's going on for them um i think it's you know ultimate i always say this to people um and i think i wrote about this in the book as well is that there tends to be a bit of a hierarchy with a client and trainer relationship Mm -hmm. um often clients especially if they feel that they're overweight feel that the trainer knows everything. They're the absolute picture of health. They've never had a cookie and that mm -hmm. there's this bit of hierarchy going on. And I always say to people that I want you to think of your trainer as somebody like you would hire a somebody to come clean your gutters. So there's no <laughs> yeah. hierarchy. There's no, he knows way more about life than I do. Yep. Um, it's a simple person for hire, right? And you're going to yep. tell that person exactly how you want your gutters cleaned. Yeah, I we, love that. <laughs> why do we become so apprehensive when it's a trainer relationship to stand yeah. up the way we would like that person that we've hired uh -huh. to work with me? So I think that's fantastic. I want the yeah. people to, to recognize that this is, you're the boss. You're hiring this person. And you're you will dictate to that person how you want to be treated. Yeah, I love that. That's what I say to my clients as well. You're the, at the end of the day, you're paying them. So you got to get it like you like it. And I find the, the funniest thing, because we have this, um, this interesting way of doing it in, um, in our, our, with our trainers is that I refer my guys to one of our size diverse trainers, Grayson or Wendy. And then that, you know, Grayson and Wendy are kind of trained to, to, you know, to, to work with people and make them feel comfortable and, and, and work in a way that, that people who are larger and heavier are, are comfortable with. And then the client comes back in and they say to me, I say, how did you go with Grayson? And they say, Oh really? Yeah. Great. Fantastic. And I say, what did you hate? And they kind of look at me like, oh, can I say that? And they go, oh, I really didn't like this. And they, But the, even in that environment where I've kind of set them up, they're working with a different trainer, they still don't necessarily feel completely comfortable to say, hey, I really like doing this or hey, this is feels a bit uncomfortable for me or a bit unsafe. Then we feed it back to our trainer, but it's, you know, it's, it's almost that, that, that people really need to do a lot of that heavy lifting themselves in that, that trainer session and go, hey, this is, I'm 
the boss of the trainer, I'm paying the trainer like any kind of consultant. I love that uh, that 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 sort of like uh, metaphor of someone that you're getting to, to clean the gutters or clean the yard and say, hey, this is this is how I want to be trained. Yeah, you have every right. You have every right to ask. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be confrontational. It doesn't have to be demanding. It's just, hey, this is how I want to be treated. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I will best respond if we do it X, Y, Z. Yeah. Yeah. And then I suppose then it becomes once you're absolutely like when you, once you're communicating um, politely and, um, and in it, you know, in the, the fashion that's right for you with the person, it comes that natural progression. Can they sort of grow and learn with you or, or do they kind of stay stuck in their ways? And that can, it kind of helps you understand whether they're the best trainer for you. Absolutely. And I also encourage people, you know, I had a to, to, to go through an interview process. You know, if you were going to hire a contractor for your home, you would probably want to get some references and, and look at their past work. And, you know, because I what I really try to avoid happening for people is a bad fitness experience because yeah. most people have had those. And then if they finally build up the courage and and to go back into the gym and then they have another one, you know, I've worked with women that have said, you know, I haven't, I haven't come to the gym for 10 years because I had this one experience that really was difficult for me. And, and, and so I try to get people to not have that bad experience before going and, and really suss out if, is that trainer the right person for you beforehand? And you have every right to ask questions and do diligence and check their bio and, 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 you know, the trainer wants to know it's a good fit too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they are someone that just wants to kind of smash you into the skinniest, fittest person, then they're probably not going to be that happy training you if that's what they fundamentally believe. I yeah. absolutely love that idea of the interview process because, you know, Louise, as a psychologist, I I do see that the damage that that causes, not only to your relationship with exercises, having a bad experience, but just just to you psychologically and and I think that if you if you do get someone that's been burned a few times they're they're being brave enough to 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 expand and and grow and be brave and take that deep breath into to you know getting back into that movement for a then the last thing you want to have is for them to get burned again and it'd be another 10 years before okay. they're they're gonna start again oh, I actually I think Glenn as far as um you being a psychologist like I'd almost go as to as far to say that people have fitness trauma where they've where they've either been berated in high school or you know pushed as a from a parent or a coach or you know deep in their psychology and I'm not a psychologist so I'd like to pretend I'm one once in a while but there's trauma there it's not just oh if they had a they had a bad experience it's, it was so bad that they never went back for a decade yeah Absolutely. I think that I think that's totally, totally fair to say that it becomes it. And that's where I think that people can, you know, people who are going to to to, to look to start moving more, maybe, you know, listening to us as, as inspired some people to, to get out and start moving. You know, the, any advice I would give would be to to kind of be gentle with yourself and acknowledge, you know, I think that a lot of people do have. Um, maybe as bad as trauma, but if not, a very deep-seated negative attitude towards moving their body, a fear at least. And I think that that's really important for people to recognize because often that shows up as ambivalence. 
oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm lazy or I'm not motivated. But if you dig underneath, no, you've actually been really scarred by yeah. some of your experiences with exercise. Absolutely. Now, speaking of that, Louise, I wanted to ask you, because I think we're having a really real talk here. One of the other questions that came from, from a couple of our online group members was this, sort of this understanding that, um, and Helen was as a good example of who mentioned this, said, how do you really let go of those nagging thoughts, those self-doubts? You know, I'm sure that, that in your, you know, maybe not so much now, but at times, at least in, in your history, you, you've, you've had these doubts about, or maybe I should just go back to trying to lose some weight, or maybe I'm, you know, this body positive thing is just something I'm telling myself or all of these sorts of things that, that my clients have. How do you stay steadfast to your message in difficult times? I think for me, I just play the tape. Uh, And by saying tape, I've really dated myself. (laughs) Um, Like, you know, playing it out like don't get me wrong there are still times where it's like keto diet that sounds good um you know that that you still are tempted because we are being pushed with um you know quick results and and you know like when i'm training for something i sometimes think this would be so much better if i were you know 10 pounds lighter and i know how i can do that and blah 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 Mm -hmm. but um just really playing it out. I've done this. I know it doesn't work. I, I you know, it, it, it ends up in a cycle. It only puts me back further from the actual goals at hand. Oh, I absolutely love that. So you, when you say play the tape, what you, you mean is, and I use that, I say tape with my clients all the time. I'm like, they're like Glenn CD MP3. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so that makes me feel a lot better. Um, I think, um, you know, it's sort of walking yourself through if I've done this four, five, six times, I, I kind of know how this is going to go for me and you can sort of preview it and stop it like that kind of almost like a sliding doors moment and go, okay, yes, the diet marketing does psychology better than Freud. It will be very alluring. There will be the next thing. There's you've got the keto there. We've yeah. got keto too. Uh, intermittent fasting um, is, is big here at the moment. But but I think that... Um, I think that just taking that pause point to, to kind of go, I, I know how that has, um, I know how that's worked for me and develop what I call diet resilience, that ability to have that, that those thoughts go, oh, I'd like to do that. And then kind of talk yourself through, hey, that hasn't worked before. It's probably not going to work for me again. And there will be a lot of my clients over the next couple of weeks uh, hearing the words, play the tape. I'm going to be uh, <laughs> telling them about this conversation and just saying, this is this is a really good thing to do. And I, I really thank you, Louise, for being authentic with me and us. And I think it's, I think it's so powerful for, for people to realize that that getting to a place of body acceptance and positivity doesn't actually mean that you never have any unhelpful thoughts. I see clients who I think that that are, are going, you know, they're they're so far along the journey, and then they have a little slip back for a, a week or two, or even just a day, and they think oh, I mustn't be fixed yet. And it's, it's, I think it's good for people to know. No, it's actually normal. You know, we've grown up in a diet culture, so how could you not have these thoughts from time to time? But it's a really good way to deal with them. And I love what you said, diet resilience. I think that that's that's a really great term to live by for sure. 
But yeah, you're combating the message every day with a new one and it will be difficult. Yep, I think, and I think that's actually really empowering for everyone who's listening to realize that it's, you know, we're not going to sell you a similar message that the diet industry would sell you. You do this for three weeks and you'll be completely cured of any unhelpful thoughts around your body. It's like, this is, this is work. Um, but if we work, you will absolutely 100% definitely get there. Yeah. And I think it's work that sticks. Yes. Yeah, it's work that, yes, absolutely. Once you learn this stuff through your own experience, you don't unlearn it. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So now you have to tell me about, oh, I, I really, really want to hear about your online programs. But first you have to tell me about the, um, the collaboration that you're doing with Diabetic Living here in Australia because I heard about that. So what are all the details of that? And guys who, uh, who haven't, uh, haven't heard about Diabetic Living will provide the details in the show notes. It's a great magazine. It, um, it has lots of really cool recipes. I particularly like it because it's a health magazine that doesn't have a lot of weight bias in it, which is actually a rare diamond. Uh, and I'm sure that's why you've sort of chosen to do some work with them. So tell us, Louise, about, uh, about the work with Diabetic Living Australia. Yeah, I did an interview with them in their last issue. And then they came back and they said that they would like to kind of showcase what um, I'm doing. So we did a partnership for my online coaching program called Unleashed. And um, in the issue that is the current issue, so I guess it's May's issue, mm -hmm. um, they have a coupon in there for Australians if, they, they, if they're interested in doing the program. And I also mm. really love that magazine. Like the recipes in there are, they're fantastic. So I think it's a great magazine, even if you don't have diabetes, it's just a very helpful magazine to have on, on the coffee table. Yeah, there are some really nice recipes in there. Yeah. So the uh, promotion is through their magazine is we're uh, launching a coaching program on May 28th. And mm -hmm. they have partnered with us in the magazine to offer, um, you know, uh, an incentive for people for their readership. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you and I were going to have to talk uh, later, Louise, about whether we can do a similar thing because I have a feeling that I'm going to really like this sound of your online programs. <laughs> so tell us tell us about the, the online programs. Because I think online is is so obviously it's so massive these days. We've um, you know, we've had online programs now for we're in the fourth year of, of having them. And I think it's one of the coolest things when you can experience someone from Norway or someone from Canada and they're getting your ideas. You've never actually met them. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And, and, and I think that the diet industry knows how to do things en masse. So it's so cool that people in the non-dieting space are starting to do it. Um, how does it all work? So it's a six-week program and basically we... We do have women from all over the world uh, joining, and it's a combination of physical fitness. So there's um, 17 progressive uh, different exercise formats that people can do, so very beginner okay. up to more advanced. But uh -huh. it is also more about tackling the mental aspects of moving. Ooh. So, you know, an example of one thing that we talk about is just becoming more assertive in your life and creating space for yourself because that's, uh, you know, I, 
over the years of training women in person, I was noticing that this woman is not, um, doesn't have boundaries. This, yep. this person is not somebody that can say no to people. And I'm not saying that on the whole of every person I've worked with, but it was a common theme. So we talk Absolutely. about things like that, that are really, we talk about the things that are affecting people's ability to incorporate fitness into their life um, yeah. on a regular basis. And that was just one of them. So um, there's a whole mental component to it where we also do online coaching calls every week and people jump on. Uh, before Ooh. this call, I was on my call with the with the ladies. We had, you know, the Australians and the people from USA and Canada. And, you know, it's a really cool program to connect with women that are looking for something different. Yeah, that's so good to hear that you have that support because I think that that's something, especially in the online format, it is good for people to know that they can come in and get some some actual support, some conversations around this stuff to keep you kind of engaged and keep you keep you progressing through the program. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, I was going to ask you a question before, but you've already kind of answered it. Is you know how how hard do you do you encourage people to push themselves? But you have these sort of 17 levels of, of, of activity that can, can help people kind of find the, the, where, where the right starting point is for them and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I work with people that have difficulty getting up and down off the ground, which is a common th- theme uh, thing that I, um, we make sure that there's modifications so that they don't have to. Um, yep. But then I also work with people that you know, were once quite athletic and have kind of put it on a shelf for maybe five years and come back and, you know, all that muscle memory is waiting for them. And, mm-hmm. and, and so there's a real range, but, yep. but, but what's interesting is that we're all coming from different parts of the world, but we're all speaking the same language. Isn't that interesting? So you're sort of finding that you're, you're definitely not the only one. You're not the only one, even in your local area. There are people, women all around the world who are experiencing this, um, these challenges. And I think you're right when you said before that, that people are really ready for something new. It's, you know, people have, who have done the old thing five, six, seven times, they're kind of, they're sick of it and they're ready for a fresh approach. Yeah, they're sick of being a failure. They want to be successful in their life and they want something that actually works. Mm-hmm. And as a psychologist, obviously, I love the mindset aspect. That's what, you know, the work I'm doing with these fitness professionals here in Australia, um, I'm doing it because I think that r- regardless of whether people are, are trained in it or not, you have to be half a psychologist to do your job and that stuff is so important you can show people the exercises and you can show them how to do it in a way that's right for their body so they feel comfortable and empowered to do it but if they don't feel like you said for example like they they can be assertive enough to carve out that time then it's never going to happen so it's always that combination of the physical movement and the mindset not from my experience as a psychologist and and working in this space i think that that long-term is the name of the game, long-term habit change, and that's where the mindset becomes so effective. Say a six-week program like, you know, I'm sort of in my head and you tell me if I'm totally highlighting my ignorance, but I'm thinking a a six-week gym challenge. I call them lose as much weight as you can and regain it all with interest challenges mm-hmm. uh, versus, versus you know, that the movements that people are, are going to get in your program that are going to be much more sensible and, and suit their body more. I, I imagine they're probably going to enjoy them more. So that's a, that's a massive benefit. But then also, 
you've got this element of the mindset, which kind of, for me, I, I guess adding the, those important mindset elements turns a six-week program into, uh, you know, this can be like a kickstart for changing the rest of your life. You're actually not just focusing on the habits, but those mindsets that they're going to help those habits stick. Absolutely. And I call it that. I call it a gateway like it's a gateway to, Ooh. you know, I was telling the women on my call today, I don't expect you to be doing my videos 10 years down the road. This is a gateway of foundational fitness and better um, mental health to move forward so that you can go in your life and do whatever you want. I absolutely love that. It's sort of just opening them up to the world so they can, this world of movement and health and fitness, so they can then sort of take it and run with it. Absolutely. Oh, that's so fantastic. Louise, I, I, I feel like I feel so <laughs> great after talking to you. I feel like you're almost doing um, like you're doing for fitness trainers what I'm trying to do for psychologists. And I think that's just so darn cool. Yeah, we need to take this show on the, on, around the world. We totally, totally do. Now, is there anything, anything that I have missed? Because my brain is spinning wildly and I'm just so excited to, to listen to this back and just get all of the little golden ingots out of this. But is there anything else that you want to say to, to any of the, the people that are listening? I think that we really covered a lot, but I just yeah. want people to know that, you know, they're worthy of feeling good. And, mm -hmm. and to feel good is, is about sur surrounding yourself with the right people and finding movement that works and the right professionals to help you. And, and there's no shame in any of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think guys, uh, I'm, I'm sure that our audience will agree that they've got another great online coach in you. So thank you so much for, for so generously sharing your time with us. Um, and we wish you all of the, the very best. And I know that we'll, um, we'll be in contact uh, much more in the future. Sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. For anyone who wants to go a step further with Louise, which I would totally recommend you do, we have a special offer for anyone listening to this podcast. You can go to www.weightmanagementpsychology.com.au forward slash Louise Green. Follow the links and sign up for her Unleashed program, the fully online six-week program designed to help you unleash your inner athlete at any shape or size. I did manage to nab a discount just for you guys. Listeners to this podcast can get 10% off by using the coupon code GLEN. That's G-L-E-N-N because dad was generous. The program, it's unbelievable. Some of our team trialed it last year and they absolutely loved it. So not only do you get some amazing training that's suited to where you're at by someone who gets it, but also you get Louise's wonderful energy and support, which I think is just as important. Thanks for being with me on the Glenn McIntosh Show. I'm yours in a great relationship with moving your body, and I'll look forward to seeing you really soon.